Lights up on a park bench. Lights up on a deck. Lights up. Lights up. Lights up. Lights up. Lights up. Lights up. A podcast by the Ensemble Theatre of Chattanooga. Hello, Miss Dina. How are you? Hi, Christy. I am so great. How are you? I'm so glad to be back. We're here for round two. Yes. Oh, my gosh. And I'm really excited about this week. I think we have a really interesting piece to dive into. Um, So this week, the piece that we are going to be exploring is called Green Sound. And one of the reasons I'm particularly interested in this piece is because, okay, so pre-COVID, one of ETC's partnership, we had this outreach program with the Chattanooga Autism Center. Um, and we were putting together this program called the Spectrum Playhouse. And so it was going to be offerings like um, summer camps and classes, but also a production, um, specifically working with um, actors that are on the spectrum. And so that, I love that. Yes, right. Such a fun, amazing project. So that's why I'm a little bit excited to dive into this. So now that we are in the age of COVID, we can still kind of explore that a little bit. Yeah. And um, is there, this is coinciding this week, we're presenting Green Sound because it's coinciding with a uh, autism center conference coming up. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. That okay. is really correct. Um, so that is September 18th and 19th. And actually, as is appropriate, the conference is completely virtual this year. Um, and for more information, people can check out ChattanoogaAutismCenter.org um, and find out information on that. They are an incredible uh, company. So can't cannot so, recommend so, the work they do enough. So all my friends in New York and Philly and wherever you're listening from, you don't have to be in Chattanooga. You go to ChattanoogaAutismCenter.org, O-R-G, and they can join the conference. Absolutely. They can check it out. I love this. Okay, cool. And we're talking about all of that, not just because green is my favorite color, but the play is green sound. (laughs) (laughs) You've got good And I, well, you know, um, and this is a play with people with autism, uh, actors on the spectrum, and the characters are on the spectrum. Yes. So that's why we're bringing all of this up, which I think is so awesome. Um, and I'm so glad to see more rep- representation for people with autism in theater. Um, I don't know if you I got to see a curious incident of Dog in the Nighttime. Did you ever see any of those yes. clips or any of that? Oh, my goodness. That's such an amazing piece. I love that piece of theater. Yeah, and I think that was held as like a, a pinnacle for people with autism in theater for so long. But um, you've heard the adage, if you meet one person with autism, you've met one person with autism, right? Absolutely. So Christopher's character is so vastly different from our characters that we have in Green Sound today. And that's what I love that's really kind of, we're starting to open up and expose the spectrum of people with autism in theater. Um, And some of my favorite TV shows are doing that now. I don't know if you've seen um, Atypical on Netflix. Okay, so everyone at home, if you are like Christy and you haven't seen it, check out Atypical on Netflix. That's another great examination of people with autism. Um, Just, you know, another example that we can take in through the arts. And I think there's even a a dating show now on Netflix. Is there really? Yes. Oh my gosh, I need to catch up. Yes, yes. And actually love on, I think it's love on the spectrum. And it's kind of sweet and kind of reminded me of Green Sound today, because this is definitely a very unique love story that we're about to hear, which I mean, I love love. I'm a little sap, but. (laughs) Oh my gosh. No, I am too. I love exploring real relationships 
I, there's just so much nuance, so much depth to them. And one of the things I love that John Patrick Bay, uh, John Patrick Bray. That is a little bit of a tongue twister. Um, well, we're going to have to tell him he's got to drop one name. No more of these three names, right? Pick, pick two. <laughs> pick your two favorite. Um, but one of the things he put in his notes at, at the beginning of it is that it's meant to be played absolutely straight. These are sincere characters. And I love that he put that because it it sets the tone immediately for the type of exploration that we are doing into this work. Does that make sense? Like, Yeah, a hundred. Um, yeah. yeah. We're, we're, these are real people. We're not doing caricatures. And, and I think that the more we can expose um, just the uniqueness of human nature through theater, the better we're doing, especially in this world today. I think we need to all have a little more tolerance for our uniqueness, our, our empathy, our care, our kindness for how special and deserving each person is to be here and how everybody has something to give. And and that's one thing I love about this play and specifically in Greenstown, it kind of, just from reading it, I'm so, so excited to hear it with our, with our actors. Um, but I, it made me ask the question, oh yeah, what is love? And, and what is, what defines a romantic gesture? I think if you ask what defines a romantic gesture to a hundred different people, you get a hundred different answers. And, and I love that. Um, this play makes me kind of ask that question too. I love that. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I love that perspective. All right. So let's go ahead and take a listen to Green Sound. Yes. I'm so excited. Lights up on Molly's apartment. There is a small kitchen table with two chairs. There is a window which allows sunlight in. There is a small table with a lamp. The apartment should have the appearance of being small and brightly lit. Molly is discovered sitting on her couch. She is drinking out of a teacup. She touches the teacup to her lips three times before taking a sip. She regards the teacup. She repeats the motion twice more. She stands up and moves to the kitchen-style table, setting the teacup on the table perfectly in the center. She steps back, looking at it. She turns it three times. There is a frantic knock at her door. She grabs the teacup, looks for a place to put it, sets it under the couch. Another frantic knock at the door. Molly stands up, gets on her hands and knees, and crawls to the door. She taps it three times. There is another knock more gentle this time she stands still crouching and taps three times there are three taps from the other side she brings herself to her full height she looks through the eyepiece she inhales she steps back she taps the doorknob three times she takes the doorknob and opens the door taylor is at the door he is holding a light the kind of light one might see overhead in a coffee shop. It has crystals and all kinds of fuzzy wires sticking out of the top, like the top of a pineapple. It has been ripped out of the ceiling. You weren't there today. I, I just, uh, you haven't been there? Your words are yellow. Okay. He enters. 
And it's every day you're there? I burn my tongue. Okay. They regard each other. I never burn my tongue. I get iced coffee. But just iced coffee. Black. I like the taste of black, but I hate the taste of uh, hot. I like the taste of cold. It's a yellow sound. She moves to touch his mouth and retreats her hand. You have a lot of light in here. He sits down the light fixture. He moves around the room, pulling shades and dimming the lights. Can you be green? I can be green. I think. What? Green. Yellow sounds are blinding. Oh. He continues to make the room darker. Burning your tongue is a good reason not to go back. Only once. Right. Coffee betrays you. You need to find something else. Don't kick my teacup. Taylor looks around. Does not see a teacup. Okay. I do go to work. Really? Makeup counter. That Malloy's. Really? I don't wear makeup. Really? Hmm? No, you don't wear makeup. Your sound is red now. Oh. Not green, not yellow. Taylor looks around the room, which is sufficiently dark. He picks up the light he brought with him. It doesn't look right. This. This here. This light. It doesn't make any sense. Over a table. Um, without you there. And so I sat there in the coffee shop, looking at other people being touched by the light. And I was sad. Sad? Yes, I was sad. I sit there at 11.32 every day. And I leave at 1.01 every day. I take a long lunch. It takes me a while to eat a muffin. Oh. And you arrive between 11.43 and 11.52. You get a coffee. You sit under this light. The same light. I saw you sit there. Four days in a row. Most people don't sit. They leave. But you sit. Somehow at the same table. Under the same light. You noticed. Yes, I noticed. And when the light shines on other people, nothing happens. Oh. Yeah. It doesn't work. It's not right. Oh. You haven't been there for three days. And, and um, you have a table. May I stand on it? If you want to stand on my table, please stand on my table. He stands on her table and raises the light. I am not an electrician. No? I'm a phenomenologist. What is that? It's like an electrician. Sort of, I mean. Taylor removes a small pocket knife and starts peeling away at one of the frizzy wires. I believe if you peel away structures, 
words, conversations, the way we're told to behave, all of it. I believe there is essence underneath, covered in structures, codes. We're being coded. So you peel away the codes, find the essence. But then if you peel away the essence... He cuts the top off the wire. There are more structures. I'm not supposed to steal lights, you know. Yes, I know. Was it hard? No. No one stopped me. I don't know why. I know the manager was looking. He has a beard that he colors. He's losing hair, but he keeps his hair in his ponytail, pulling more hair off his head. He has a wart on his nose and a laugh that is very loud. And I think people like to hear his laugh. He wasn't laughing when I took this light, so. I think he called the police, but I didn't see any police. So I came right here because I followed you once. So I know you live here. Oh. I wanted to say something to you, but I couldn't say anything because the words wouldn't make sense and I needed to give you something. So this is it because that's the thing with words. If you peel those away, there is more essence. It continues. At the bottom is something outside of discourse. Words, I mean. There is something we can know. I mean, I can't know. Something we can't know. But it doesn't mean it isn't there. And when you were under the light, I felt like the answer was somehow closer. I'm not making any sense to you. You're almost making sense. I can just stand here. He holds the light up. For a while. Molly stands on the table with him. She regards the light. She touches one of the crystals. She looks at him and touches his glasses. He becomes incredibly still. I'm afraid of going to the doctors. I'm afraid they might not know enough. They might not care enough. She touches one of his crystals and then his glasses. What makes each component different? What makes each component the same? A wild being with so many constructed truths. I gave up smoking three years ago. I thought that would restore my eyesight, but it didn't make sense. I, I thought health would be chromatic. You sound green now. She touches the crystal and then his glasses. Do I? She helps him hold the light. It begins to shine brightly. They look at one another, awe, love. They say nothing. They stand in the glow. Music comes from somewhere. They regard one another occasionally. Did I kick your teacup? It's under the couch. Oh, good. That's where teacups belong. Yes. They smile. Their nerves are dissipating. The stage goes green with Taylor and Molly holding the perfect yellow light. Lights fade. End of play. Hey, everybody. It's Gary, the producer for Lights Up, Ensemble Theater of Chattanooga's new podcast for playwrights, performers, and patrons of theater. I wanted to see if you've heard about Anchor. Anchor, the platform that's hosting our podcast. If you haven't heard about Anchor yet, 
Well, I am happy to be the first to tell you about it. It is free. F-R-E-E. That's right, free. Um, There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your computer uh, or your phone. And Anchor will distribute the podcast that you create so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts from. And you know what else? It doesn't cost you anything, but you can make money from your podcast and you don't even have to have a minimum listenership. That's right. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So do like we did. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's Anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R, or Anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R.fm to get started and create your podcast. All right, so we just got a chance to listen to Green Sound. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the actors that are playing these roles that we just got to hear. Um, We heard the roles of Taylor and Molly. Taylor was played by Tris Haw, and then Molly was played by Kennedy Doan. I thought they did a fantastic job. What did did you, what did you think, Estana? I loved it. I was just so completely charmed by Green Sound. This is again by our playwright, John Patrick Bray, who we have here with us. We're so excited to have here. Um, and I, I was just really delighted by hearing this play. And, and I know we spoke in the intro how much we enjoyed it and were gravitating towards the script when we read it, but hearing it performed brought it just to an entirely different level. And I thought Tris and Kennedy just really brought this to life in a way that I could not have imagined reading it. Absolutely, I totally agree. Um, So uh, for our listeners, we are joined by the playwright, um, John Patrick Bray, and we are also joined uh, by Ms. Alice. If you wanna introduce yourself, who happens uh, to, um, I know uh, in the intro, I talked a little bit about ETC's partnership. We had the Spectrum Playhouse that we were working on. So I'll let uh, Ms. Alice talk a little bit about um, her background um, and give us a little bit uh, there. Yes, I'm, thank you. I'm Alice Benson, and I am a licensed clinical social worker who um, I'm also the clinical director for the Chattanooga Autism Center. And um, we provide different services and support for children and adults with autism. I, I, my particular role is as a therapist working with children and adults and family members, um, but have been excited to be involved in the theater part of things because of the partnership with ETC and Gary. And so that brought me to you guys. Awesome. Well, we are so excited to have you here tonight. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us, Alice. And we do know we spoke briefly about it in the intro that there is a big conference coming up. Um, And when this podcast airs, it'll be the week of the conference. So at the very end, I want to make sure we give you a chance to plug that just to put that in your brain. Oh, thank you. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we just heard Green Sound, as Christy said, and we have John here, um, our playwright. Clay, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm John Patrick Wright. Hi, <laughs> thank you so much for letting us use your beautiful script. We just loved it, and thank you for being here and, and agreeing to, to speak with us. Well, sure. Well, thank you for having me, and thank you for reading the script. It was a fantastic, I, I listened, it's, it's, it's wonderful. They did a great job. Good. So, uh, John, to get started, um, one of the first questions we wanted to ask you was the inspiration for this. Uh, my wife and I were living in Long Island. Uh, oh, gosh, it seems like forever ago. And um, our son 
had just been diagnosed with um, as being uh, on the autism spectrum. He only had a few words when he was two, book, mom, and Batman. But I remember we were in, in uh, this might be a little personal, but sorry, Danielle, but we were, you know, in bed one night talking and we were wondering what his grown-up life would look like. And, um, uh, you know, and so I started imagining a circumstance where there are two people who had difficulty communicating. And I wanted to, it's gonna, it's not, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. It honestly took me about maybe a half hour to 45 minutes to write the play. Wow. It just kind of bubbled out. And, um, and that's not always the case. I mean, it just, you know, I, I just had a lot of thoughts about what was going on around our son and then processing some other artists I admire and things I admired. And it just kind of spilled out. Um, and something that happened as I was writing it, I was just aware that I wanted to see two people that I could root for, you know, that I'm hoping that they would find a, a way to communicate and a way to, to find an equilibrium. That is, well, I, I, I was wondering how long it would take me to cry um, because I'm a big crier. And so someone checked the timestamp because like I'm already tearing up when you're oh. talking about being inspired by your son and just finding finding ways to, to kind of portray people who have trouble communicating. I'm like, oh my God. And, and that's probably why it came to you so quickly because it sounds like it was very inspired. And I think some of the most beautiful things in art are from truth. I think you kind of already hit on what I was going to bring up next, which is that and this probably is coming from your personal experience, um, but I was struck by how you created such an extremely sensory experience within this play, right? Our characters um, who are actors with <laughs> autism, um, we should mention, and Alice, I, I just wanted to pop in here and say, I was always taught that um, it's people first syntax when we speak, so we say, a, people with autism, person with autism, actor with autism. Is that correct? Is that still preferred in the community? It, it's shifting. Um, okay. so, so some adults prefer to be referred to as autistic adults as opposed, because that's how they identify themselves as autistic and um, rather than a person with autism. We tend to suggest asking the person how they prefer to be referred to. Um, so then that way we're honoring so yeah, John, you created this extremely sensory experience within the play. But what struck me about this extremely sensory experience that you created was you did it in, and I hate to actually phrase it this way, but you did it in almost a normal, neurotypical kind of way. It was very realistic. You kept it very grounded and very real. And yet I was so so hyper aware of my senses just reading and then especially listening um I, I was just blown away by that and i and i wanted to know if that was a conscious choice on your part was to not go hyper theatrical and to keep oh, it grounded yeah yes short answer but <laughs> i also i get really frustrated with plays like curious incident of the dog in the nighttime for a number of reasons that attempt to say here audience here's what it feels like ends up othering that and i think that even the name of doing good that there are artists who um kind of other or or even in extreme cases fetishize what we think those experiences must be when, when we we don't know what those experiences are i i 
have always seen Dan, my son, I just named him Dan, as a whole person. Could not imagine him any other way, and I wouldn't want to imagine him any other way. So the short answer is yes. I, I, I am conscious that when I write, because I've written a couple of pieces that are inspired by my kids now, and um, and I'm always trying to be aware that, you know, the, that even though he has a unique way of seeing the world, it's it's not something that I would want to exploit. Uh, mm. He's a real person. These are real people. And it's also why I self-consciously um, don't say that the characters are on the spectrum where it's like autism never appear in my script. So, uh, so yeah, so there's a long answer to a short question. I, yeah, but that was a really, we learned a lot in that long answer. So, so thank you. And I think Christy and I said this in the intro to the piece, but um, I've done some work uh, on, on plays with, uh, both characters and actors on the autism spectrum. Um, and that's where I first heard the phrase, uh, if you've met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism. And, exactly. and that's where um, I, I think you're really trying to get at. And that's what we loved about Christy. I think you said in, in, the, in our intro that it was very um, humanizing, like that yeah. we said it was not this overly theatricalized or exploitative, like kind of, um, uh, piece. So yeah, I think that that gives us a really beautiful insight. So thank you. Yeah, and I think it's wonderful. So if I understand this correctly, um, you wrote this when your son was about two years old. Is that right? Yes. So was this sort of a cathartic experience for you to write it and, and explore it? I, I don't know how old this piece is or... Um... Uh, yes, my, my son's now 11. Um, so it was uh, nine years ago. And um, yeah, I, I would say so. I would say that that was definitely a you know, cathartic, not like, a, aha, I, I've done something now and now I'm purged. It's more like, a, yeah. okay, I wrote a script, I'm processing, ooh, submission opportunity, I should send it. So yeah, but it was, it was, a, it was a way to, to process um, some of our concerns and to um, imagine uh, some of the possibilities. In revisiting this piece, do you find yourself identifying your son in this role. Yeah, I, I think that they're they're very much their own characters. And that's the way I mean it should be. I, okay. I um everything we I mean my my opinion is that any writer, whether it's a, a, a novelist or somebody who writes poetry or, or, or somebody who, who even writes sports journalism, like everybody is writing a kind of autobiography. And so you don't necessarily need to have something that is like a strict autobiography um, because you're you're already present in the work and the things you want to that you've experienced you want to bring into the work are already there um, so you kind of allow those things to be their own characters to be their own world their own dynamics and um, I can say that I, I'm very impressed with Dan now because he's he's going to middle school and he's an advanced English and advanced science and he's uh excellent with computers um he has a sense of humor he actually um uh when he was in second grade he would go back to his first grade classroom and um before class and quickly pull a prank he would set all the computers so that the fonts were huge or something else was <laughs> going on and the teachers would would didn't know how to fix whatever he did to the computer only he could figure it out and so, you know, so he'd be walking to class, he'd run in and do that if nobody was there and then leave. And then a couple of minutes later, he'd come in and say, are you experiencing technical difficulties? Oh. And, 
you know, <laughs> and they would say to them, can you please set this right? And then he would. Um, Our producer, Gary, just messaged us and said that Kennedy, the actress who played Molly, uh, is a middle schooler. And as we mentioned, she is on the spectrum and she also loves to play pranks. So, um, you know, maybe make sure they don't make sure they don't talk together. Or we'll have a, a whole slew of a, a crazy prank coming out now. <laughs> I'll just know if nothing works, who to look for. But, uh... Uh -oh. <laughs> um, Alice, we wanted to ask you when Christy and I were, were discussing this, um, this play and, and this particular episode in our interview, um, something we wanted to get your opinion on, and, and Christy was really kind of musing about this, but do you think that the arts are kind of leading the way and, and helping and at the forefront of this representation of um, the autistic community in the arts, or do you feel like we're kind of following and playing catch up? I do think it's been um, tremendous beginning to see um, people with autism in mainstream television shows um, just to you know that the movement was raising awareness regarding autism and and that has shifted a bit to be to acceptance um, and accepting people mm. how they are who they are just as they are yeah um, and so I do think um, media has has helped that um, both things in many ways um, and just showing that you know a lot of times if someone received a diagnosis it was you know and it's a, it's identified as a disability um but it's not you know it, it right. so it helps to see someone um in different male and female and different professions and different ages and just to see people for who they are um and so i, I think it has been a great thing that uh, people are in more mainstream media um i do you know i i some of course, it's not always a great representation or a perfect representation. And so there's people who um, may be frustrated with that in some regards, but I think just in general, um, it's been a, a positive. When I was younger in school, um, my guidance counselor and one of my teachers said to my parents that they wanted to have, that they thought I should be, you know, um, tested and, um, but back then, you know, I, I think you hit it on the head was um, it, it was considered, you know, a, a disability, a diagnosis, and there was a stigma attached to it, um, you know, 37, 38 years ago that I that I really hope isn't now. It seems like um, at least my experience with my son going through school, it's been really great. A lot of mainstream classrooms and, you know, and then paraprofessionals and other folks coming in when he needs help and speech therapists. And there seems to be a lot of support. I don't mean to suggest that 36, 37 years ago, there was um, there wasn't support. I think there was a lot of good people that had excellent attention, you know, intentions. I don't know what life would have looked like um, if I had found out one way or the other. I actually did ask somebody, like my therapist, not so long ago, like, should I, uh, you know, try to find out now? And they're like, well, what will they get you? I was like, I don't know. Skip ahead in line at Disney, like. You know, uh, <laughs> Like no, I I don't know. So I I just kind of let it go. But um, uh, but but thinking about how when I was a kid and there are folks who were, you know, on the spectrum that they were in a different room, and kind of on their own. And and again, there's some folks who certainly they need that. They need that kind of one-on-one -on -one attention. But others, like I, I don't know. Maybe they could have, you know, been a, like a mainstream classroom. I I don't know. But again, that's a very long time ago. Yeah, that's, I mean, I guess it just goes back to the, the truth of 
the spectrum really. Um, and, and I think Alice also, I, I loved what you said of just really making sure that we see everyone regardless of ability, or I don't even like to use the term disability in this sense, but regardless of their spectrum of abilities as, as a person, um, you know, and, and that's where we should come first, really an individual person. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, definitely even using neurodiverse is, is become more of a common term and, um, and just being able to celebrate differences and acknowledge differences and, and is really important. And I think we are getting better at that, but still, you know, a lot of the people that I'm seeing in therapy, children up through adults, they're, they're really struggling with fitting in and feeling, um, a part of, you know, think about middle school, how awful middle school, how we all felt so different. And, oh yeah, you know, so, um, it's, it's hard enough anyways. And, and so, you know, a lot of times it's like, how can we just get through middle school until in high school and college when you can really be celebrated, um, for your differences and, and it's cool to be different as you get older. Um, yes. and so, <laughs> yeah, so can I say, I think, um, I, I think it's just important that whatever differences there are that, that people have, that those are um, just acknowledged and it's okay. Well, I 100% agree. Um, do we want to get into our um, final yeah. little treat our here fun? at the end, Christy? Yeah. Yes, I think we so should. Thank, um, yeah, okay, thank you so both, first of all, so much for yeah. all of that beautiful insight. And I learned neurodiverse, that is a new term I'm going to start using. So thank you for that, Alice. Um, and thank you for your open honesty and, and giving all of that insight, John. We really appreciate it. Sure, thank you. Okay, Go ahead, actually, Christy, tell them what well, we have in store. <laughs> all right, we have a little bit of fun. So we have what we are calling our rapid fire questions. Um, we're gonna get to know a little bit about you. I think it'll, I think it'll be really fun. So what is your favorite word? I'm, I'm visual. So I see my dog and he's pretty awesome. It's not my favorite word though, but it's my favorite thing in the room. I, I love that. that. What's, what's his name? Bailey. Bailey. Okay. What is your least favorite word? Mm, hate. What is your favorite app? Favorite app? Um, okay. I have two teenage daughters so, and I can follow them on life 360 and make sure that they are <laughs> I don't where they're know supposed what that to is. be. I'm so it's a brilliant okay. app. It's a brilliant app. We have to look, I'll have to look that up. What is your favorite or most used emoji? Um, I, I, the smiley face. Okay. Do you have a favorite board game? I do love Trivial Pursuit, the like 1980s version. All right. Okay. So mine's kind of an either or. Sweet or savory? Oh, that one's easy. Sweet. Uh, window or aisle seat? Window. Dolphins or koala bears? Koala bears. Koala bears. <laughs> Dark chocolate or milk chocolate? Dark chocolate. Summer or winter? Summer. Name a dessert you don't like. I don't like cream brulee. What is one superpower you wish you had? I could fly. Mm. What are three things you can't live without? Oh, family. And I could wrap all of that in one. Um, hope mm -hmm. and friends or margaritas. Those go together. <laughs> yeah. Mar friends with margaritas, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, if you had a tattoo, what 
and where would it be? Or if you have tattoos, tell us about them. I don't have any tattoos. And now I feel like I shouldn't. I always kind of <laughs> wanted one, but I'm in the minority now. So I, I'm going to not be tattooed. Um, if you are stuck on an island and you can pick one food to eat for forever without ever getting tired of it, what would it be? Pizza. All right. What is a book or play that you think everyone should read? It, well, it's a movie. My favorite is Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. If your life were a song, what would the title be? Hope is my mantra. And so um, it would be something related to that. If you could master one instrument, what would it be? The violin. If you could live anywhere else besides where you live, where would you live? Definitely tropical, maybe like Central America, Belize or something. Um, What is your favorite way to rest or to decompress? Really watching awful TV is (laughs) that I, I wouldn't admit to. Okay. This is the last few. If you could switch lives with someone for a day, who would it be? Robin Williams. What is inspiring you in your life right now? Work for sure. Um, it shifted because of work with COVID. Things are, are, we're having to adapt, but, but that's what it would be. What is the best piece of advice you've received? Don't worry about things you cannot change. What would you like to be remembered for? Uh, kindness. And the last one, describe yourself in a hashtag. Hashtag travel anywhere. Yes. All right, John, here we go. What is your favorite word? Dinner. What is your least favorite word? Closed. What is your favorite app? Genius scan. What is your favorite or your most used emoji? Just a heart. I'm not very creative with emojis, just a heart. What is your favorite board game if you have one? Sorry for the sarcasm factor. Um, do you prefer savory or sweet? That's a tough one because I usually like them both together. But other two, I guess I'll just have to say sweet. Window or aisle seat? On a train, I like the window seat. On a plane, I have to be incapacitated. Dolphins or koalas? Oh, man. Uh, I'll say koalas. Um, dark or milk chocolate? Of the two, dark, but my favorite's actually white. Summer or winter? Ooh, of the two, um, right now, probably because I've been in the South for so long, I'd say winter. I know that would change if I was in the North again, but we'll say winter for now. Name a dessert that you don't like. I've never tried it, but I would imagine I wouldn't care for chocolate-covered grasshoppers. What is one superpower you wish you had? Um, I'd like to be strong. Um, what are three <laughs> things that you can't live without? Well, I'll say my family. Um and my action figure collection and um, my, my uh, records and CDs. I, I, I love my, my music. Um, if you had a tattoo, what and where would it be? Or if you have a tattoo, you know, tell us about them. I do not have a tattoo. Uh, my wife has five tattoos. I have none. Um, jokingly, I, I've often said that I, I want to get like the outline of Chewbacca between my shoulder blades because the rest of them already showed up. Um, <laughs> but, but sincerely, um, my old boss at the bagel shop where I, I worked at New Paltz, um, bagel cafe for years as a bagel baker, um, he got a tattoo on his arm of a cross with, um, wedding rings on him, um, because that's what the back of our wedding program was. And he really liked that. And beneath it, the phrase heart of gold, cause he and I used to sing the Buster Poindexter song, heart of gold at the top of our lungs repeatedly. And we did that for like six and a half years. So I want the same tattoo that he has. 
If you were stuck on an island and you could pick one food to eat forever without getting tired of it, what would it be? Well, I never got sick of bagels, so I'll say bagel. Um, what is a book or play that you think everyone should read? The Seafarer by Connor McPherson. If your life were a song, what would the title be? Two Monkeys, Ten Minutes. I want to listen to that song. Okay. If you could master one instrument, what would it be? Saxophone. Ah, very cool. If you could live anywhere else, where would you live? And you've lived a couple of different places, it sounds like. so. I have. I'd love to live back in New Paltz, New York, because um, I miss it terribly. But barring that, um, I would want to live um, in um, Wiscasset, Maine. What is your favorite way to take a rest or decompress? It's a toss-up between a glass of Cabernet Sauvignon mm -hmm. or playing um, Legends of Zelda Breath of the Wild on Nintendo Switch or sometimes a pleasant combination of the two. What's inspiring you in life right now? Actually, this is going to be a weird answer, but garden spiders. Um, we've been getting a lot around my house of garden spiders. They're rather large, um, beautiful black and yellow spiders. They're, they're everywhere. We've got about a half dozen that are just springing up all around our yard. And what I like about them is that unlike worm spiders or the other ones we get where the web is like very, for lack of better phrasing, like two dimensional in appearance, like very thin paper like these webs look like they're building cubes. They look like these huge kind of cubes and they're somehow just suspending in the center. And I saw the one do it by the tree outside and I thought it was kind of an accident. And then I've seen they're all picking up on this and I've never seen this before, but they're all building these, these cubes, these web cubes outside. And I just think they're kind of fascinating. Um, uh, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Eat it. It's part of the banana. I feel like there's a story there. <laughs> I, I didn't know my grandfather very well. He passed away when I was quite young, but and he was a very quiet man. And the only thing I remember was when I was a very small child, I was trying to have a banana and there was like a string on it. And I, I went to reject the banana because of the string. It was kind of upsetting to me. And Poppy looked at me and said, eat it, it's part of the banana. And, and somehow I just feel like that's an incredible philosophy. And... Um, you know, I was like, wow, this man's profound. What would you like to be remembered? I'm, I'm, I, I won awards for bagels years ago. So, yeah, award-winning bagel baker. Um, all right. And last question. Describe yourself in a hashtag. The other one. Because I'm an identical twin and folks used to get confused and think I was Greg. What? Oh that is goodness. so cool. Did you know yeah. Gary Posey is also a twin? No, I did not. No. So we got twin power. One to twin powers activate. <laughs> <laughs> Those were all the questions we had for you guys. We are so grateful for you giving us your time and your script and your expertise. And, and I, I'm just so, I know Christy, I'm sure as well. I've just so enjoyed speaking with you guys tonight. I, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. John and Alice, thank you so much for joining us yeah. and sharing so much. It's, it's been such an awesome conversation. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for highlighting this, all of this, which is great. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Okay, so please make sure you tell us. We uh, told everyone at the start of this podcast yeah. to visit the ChattanoogaAutismCenter.org slash conference um, to get Perfect. tickets because the conference is being held virtually this year. But please make sure you give us any info about that and just let us know um, 
anything else our listeners should know before they join and why they should join? Yeah, um, the website gives lots of, um, it's the way to register. Our cost is is extremely low. Um, I think for an individual, it's $35 for two half days. And for a family, I believe it's 50. I may be a little bit off on that, but. Okay. um, So it's super affordable. It's geared towards um, family members, individuals, with autism as well as professionals and teachers. And typically um, we're really excited about it because typically it's, um, we have about 500 on average people who attend and that's when we were doing it in person. And so it was regional, um, you know, people who could drive an hour or two to come in for it. And now that it's virtual, it's available to anyone. Um, and so we're hoping that we can reach more people, um, that way, but, um, fantastic speakers, uh, related to kind of considerations for school, um, trying to think of all the topics, things around sensory, um, (laughs) just, um, everything. I think there's, there's something for everyone so that they could, you know, parents of younger kids versus adults. Um, there's something that, um, I think people definitely things people could take away and implement immediately. Um, so we intend it to be very helpful and, um, and, and useful for sure. But anyway. Okay. So now we're going to dive into one of my favorite little fun segments that we do called propped. Um, so this, um, this short play that we are about to hear was actually based on the interview that we just heard, which I think is really cool. So we pulled three words, which were book, Batman, and mom. We posted those on our Instagram page and people submitted one page plays, one page scripts, and we got to read them and pick our favorite. And so this week, um, our favorite happened to be a piece called Torn Pajamas. And I just have to dive into the author for a second, because here's what's really cool. Dana and I both sort of read these blind. We just kind of jump in and start reading it. And I did not know, and I don't think Dana realized either. That no clue. It was actually written by one of our producers here at ETC. We didn't, we didn't find this out or figure this out until we had already picked it. Um, and so I'm just so excited for Joel. He is such an incredible asset to our um, to our team, and uh, I just think this piece is so awesome and so cool. So, joining us to bring Joel's piece to life um, it are Luis and Juanita, and I will let them introduce themselves and talk about the characters that they are playing. Hello, my name is Luis E. Mora, and I will be reading the part of Charlie. Hi, my name is Juanita Castrochoa, and I'll be reading for Maria. Thank you both so much for joining us. Uh, I'll be reading the stage directions on Joel's piece, Torn Pajamas. And uh, just as a reminder, we picked the words book, mom, and Batman from John's interview that you just heard. Um, Those were the words that John's son was speaking when he was two years old. And so I think it's actually a very tender and fitting tribute um, that we chose this play about another family relationship. And thank you both for being here. And we're going to dive right into here, Torn Pajamas. Torn Pajamas by Joel Sanchez Avantes. Lights up on a singular red damask couch accompanied by a small wooden side table and a freestanding lamp. Maria, 
a mid-50s Hispanic woman wearing a lace-trimmed flannel nightgown, sits alone on her tattered couch after a long day of working two jobs. She wears her years of sleepless nights complacently on her face. As the clock ticks past midnight, she looks up from her book as she hears rustling offstage. Mijo, you can't fool me. I know it's you. Did you have a bad dream? Charlie, an 11-year-old boy dressed in well-worn Batman pajamas, enters. I was dreaming about my parents again. Do you want to talk about it? Not really. I just miss them. Do you ever miss them? Mm, of course I do. You might have been too young to remember, but your mom had the most infectious laugh. Her laugh brought so much joy to my life, no matter how I was feeling. All my life, I worked so hard to make sure she could have everything I never could. You know, there were times when I think I pushed her too hard. But it was just me showing my love. I miss her laugh every day, Mijo. I am glad I have the opportunity to raise you and learn from my mistakes. I wish I could remember more of them. Mijo, what is this? Maria motions to Charlie's pajamas that have started to tear at the shoulder seam. Can you fix it? Of course I can. I think I want to be like Batman when I grow up. He lost his parents too and became a hero to help people. Charlie, I think helping people sounds nice. I'm sure your parents will be proud of anything you do. Gracias, abuelita. You're welcome, mi niño precioso. Did you ever sing to my mom when she was my age? Oh, many times. Will you like me to sing you something? <laughs> yes, please. Charlie nestles into his grandmother's side. Maria begins to sing a lullaby as the lights begin to fade. Just before complete darkness, you hear the final line of Maria's lullaby. Duermete, mi niño. Duermete ya. Lights fade. Oh, that was so touching. Um, thank you again to everyone who submitted for Propped this week. To find out what um, the new props are, you have to follow us on social media. So you can check us out, uh, Ensemble Theater of Chattanooga on Facebook, or you can go to Instagram. We're gonna list the new props there. Uh, what is the handle there, Christy? For Instagram, it is ensemble underscore theater underscore of underscore chat, that's C-H-A-T-T. And uh, theater is always spelled with an R-E. That's right. So go to social media, find out what the new props are. We'll have three new props up. Send us your one page plays to lights up at ensemble theater of Chattanooga.com. Again, lights up at ensemble theater of Chattanooga.com, theater with an R E. You can email us your pages. You can send Christy and I love letters, questions about <laughs> the podcast process, whatever you like. 
Um, and we also want to mention we did have two more honorable mention submissions this week. Um, one of those was actually last week's winner. Peter Dakutis sent us action figures, which was also a really charming script. And we had another honorable mention this week. We did Night of Love and Loss by Daniel DeRay. Um, so you can check both of those out on our uh, Patreon page. Uh, so we had some truly great submissions this week. It was not easy to pick a favorite. Um, so just really impressed with the work that's coming out and excited to see what you guys will come up with for next time. Thanks. And make sure you visit those social media pages. We want to hear from you. Lights Up is a podcast produced by the Ensemble Theater of Chattanooga, a 501c3 nonprofit independent theater company located in Southeast Tennessee. Lights Up is hosted by Christy Gallo and Dana Colagiovanni. Sound by Eric Red Wyatt. Graphics by Jamie Goodnight. And Casey Keelan as the associate producer. Tune in next week for To Fix a Dinosaur by Emma Rund. Lights up on the back stairwell of a hospital. Felix, wearing a rumpled t-shirt and jeans and looking completely exhausted, bursts through the second floor doorway and runs down the stairs. Liz, wearing the same thing she's had on for two days, bursts through the first floor doorway and into the stairwell carrying a toy dinosaur constructed from Legos. Liz and Felix collide and the dinosaur crashes to the floor, breaking into a mess of pieces. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, copied, or presented without the expressed written consent of the Ensemble Theatre of Chattanooga. The plays presented on this podcast are protected by all national and international copyright laws. If you are interested in producing any of the plays featured on Lights Up, contact us and we will get you in touch with the playwright. If you would like your play considered for a future episode or would like to be an actor or reader, please shoot us a message at lightsup at ensembletheaterofchattanooga.com. As a nonprofit, ETC relies on donations and the goodwill of patrons and supporters like you. If you would like to make a one-time donation to ETC, please visit our website for details. Or you can become a monthly subscriber on Patreon and get access to exclusive content. You can also support us by giving us a like and rating this podcast. Lights Up is hosted by Anchor, a Spotify company. The easiest way to make a podcast. <laughs>